Hi, I'm Edwards Three, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you ever treat your prayer life like a spiritual chore, an important spiritual task that you just have to get done each day? I think many Christians, many of us Catholics, can fall into this trap of viewing our prayer life as primarily about what we do, about our performance in prayer. Did we get it in? Did we concentrate enough? Did we focus enough? Did we use the right method? Did we use the right technique? Did I give this time to God in prayer? And we can view it as like almost like a, a spiritual checklist. You know, I, I got my time in the Bible, I got my time at the chapel, or I got my rosary in, and I just check off the boxes in order to, to, to show that I, I'm a good Christian. I, I completed the spiritual task. Now, don't get me wrong. It's really good to have the habit of prayer. St. Thomas Aquinas, in fact, tells us that, that prayer is something we owe God out of justice. It's part of the virtue of justice. We owe God our entire lives. We owe him our worship, our devotion, and the habit of daily prayer. So it's really important to cultivate that daily habit. Nevertheless, there's something so much more going on in prayer than just what we do on our end. What if I were to tell you that at the very heart of prayer wasn't just about completing a task, checking off a box, doing something, but more responding to a greater love that's calling us. You see, if you read the writings of so many of the saints, you look at the catechism, the Catholic spiritual tradition, the primary mover in prayer is not us. It's not about what we do and which book we used and where we prayed. It's, it's about what God is doing. What if I were to tell you that the most important part of your prayer life is not what you do, but it's actually about God's love for you? What if I were to tell you that God loves you so much that at the heart of prayer, he, he just wants you to spend time with him, that he's longing for your time, for your attention, he's longing for your heart. What if I were to tell you that the heart of prayer is God's thirst for you? God's hunger for you, his infinite desire for you. Will you respond? Will you respond by giving him that time and that space in your busy life? That's what the heart of prayer is. And that's how we really develop the habit of prayer and cultivate a, a consistent prayer life, bringing it in to our daily lives, not by just trying to force a completion of a task, but by responding with love to a greater love the love of God for my soul. And that's what we're going to take a look at and how we can build that prayer life in this new year and as we approach Lent in our daily lives. That's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I have just come back from the great Eucharistic Congress in Evansville, Indiana, in the Diocese of Evansville. I was there with Monsignor James Shea and uh, Andrew and Sarah Swafford. It was a wonderful Eucharistic Congress, a whole day dedicated to the Eucharist with adoration, processions, mass, all focused on uh, on this united effort around the United States for a Eucharistic revival. But I have to tell you, it was really hard to get there. I shared with them, uh, we had a, a Friday night vigil at the cathedral where we had a, a holy hour, and it was to prepare our hearts for the big Congress the next day, and there were several hundred people that came out for that. And I was sharing them with them about my adventure of getting there. You see, I was traveling through Dallas, Texas, from Denver to Dallas to Evansville, and there was some big windstorms coming through Dallas I saw on the news the night before. And I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. 
I think it was my guardian angel maybe. And I just had the sense there's no way I'm going to make that connecting flight. And I won't, I won't make it to the, to the Congress and to this vigil. I was supposed to be presenting at the holy hour on Friday night. And so I called the airlines and made a, a change and I took an earlier flight, but then even that flight got canceled and delayed. And I, I think I booked like three different flights. And finally I got there, I flew to another city and then drove all the way over to Evansville. Uh, but I made it just in time. And I shared this story with the people who were there for that vigil that night. And I told them how much I was longing to be here with them for this Eucharistic Congress. But then I said, as much as I desire to be here, there's someone else who desires to be with you even more than me. And that, of course, is our Lord Jesus in the Eucharist. And he went through many, many more sacrifices than I did. He died for us and he rose from the dead and he gave us the gift of the Eucharist so that he can remain with us. And I shared with them the reflection I want to share with you here in this podcast here about how much God longs to be with us. God is love and love desires to be close to the one it loves. And, and, and God loves us so much. He became one of us. He died for us to reconcile us to himself. But he loves us so much. He even chose to remain with us in the blessed sacrament, in all the tabernacles around the world. We can draw near to him. And he, he's with us spiritually, when we take time to be with him in prayer. So I shared with them a reflection from John's Gospel, chapter 4, where I was just teaching a class recently at the Augustine Institute, a little intensive class on the Gospel of John. And it was so fun to work through John chapter 4. And I shared with all the people in Evansville what I'd shared in that class uh, on John's Gospel that I'm going to share with all of you now. And that is how when Jesus goes to Samaria. It's very interesting. In John chapter 2, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and he's going up for the time of Passover. And then in John chapter 3, he's in Jerusalem, and then he goes out to the region around Jerusalem in Judea. And then it tells us in John chapter 4 that Jesus is going to go back up to Galilee, and it says he had to pass through Samaria. Now, we know that there are many other routes to take to go from Jerusalem, Judea, and then go back up to Galilee. There's different routes he could have taken. One route is to pass through Samaria, but he could have gone other directions. So we know that Jesus didn't have to pass through Samaria out of geographical necessity. It was the only road. No, no, that wasn't the case. He had to, John's gospel tells us. And I think that's pointing to his heart. He had to, for the sake of mission, to meet this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, to meet the Samaritan people, to call them back to himself. He had to go for the sake of mission, for the sake of love, that he loves that woman. He loves the Samaritan people, and he wants to draw them back to himself. It was the urgency of love that drew him there. And what we see is that when he gets to Samaria, he finds himself at a well, and He's waiting there and this woman comes up to him and the woman is coming to draw water and Jesus says something to her. And what's fascinating is the very first words that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. Do you remember what those words are? It's amazing. We know from the story that this woman has had a a difficult past. She's had a sinful past. She's had five husbands, the story will go on to tell us. And the one she is with now is not her husband. 
And so she's considered a great sinner. She is ostracized. She's coming to get water in the middle of the day, which is not the time you would want to go get water. It's incredibly hot at noon. And yet the Bible's telling us that's when that's when she comes to go get water. Normally you'd go early in the morning or later in the day when it's a little bit cooler. That's when everybody else goes. She's going by herself because you get the sense she just is, is not looked kindly upon by the others there in Samaria because of her lifestyle. And here she comes, she approaches the well where Jesus is, and then Jesus initiates the conversation and consider his opening words. He doesn't say to her, hey woman, you need to repent. You need to turn away from your sin and turn back to God and follow his commandments. Those aren't the opening words he spoke to her. I mean, think about this. What does Jesus actually say? He doesn't give her a, a big catechetical lesson and teach her about himself. I'm the son of God, and you need to believe in me. I'm fully human. I'm fully divine. I'm coming to establish a church. I'm going to establish seven sacraments. He doesn't hand out a catechism at this moment. What is the first thing he says to this woman? It's utterly remarkable. This is Jesus. This is the eternal son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the savior of the world. And you know what he says to her? He says, give me a drink. He expresses some need. He, he, he approaches this woman humbly. He approaches her, her like, like a beggar, <laughs> saying, give me a drink. I need something from you. I mean, this is utterly astounding. Again, just reflect on this for a moment. This is from the eternal son of God who has no needs, who is perfect and, and glorious and all-powerful in and of himself, and yet he comes to her like a beggar. Give me something to drink. I share this with you, my friends, because the Catechism of the Catholic Church, when it opens up its teaching about prayer and says, what is prayer all about? It starts with this story of the woman at the well. And it uses this as an analogy that this same God, the God of the universe, approaches us humbly like a lover as if he needs something from us. He approaches us like a beggar pleading for our hearts. He thirsts not for water, but he thirsts for our love, for our time, for our attention, for our heart. This is what prayer is all about. Prayer is about simply responding to Jesus's thirst. Listen to what the Catechism says. It is he who first seeks us and asks us for a drink. Jesus thirsts. His asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. My friends, do you take time every day for prayer? Don't think of this as about a chore. Don't think of it as, oh, I just got to complete this task. I got to check off the box. I got to fit my prayer time in. Yes, fight for that time. But don't do it as a chore. Do it as a response to the love of Jesus. If Jesus showed up at your door today, he knocked on your door and he looked so thirsty, so worn out from travel, so tired. And he just said these words to you, looking you in the eye, and he said, give me a drink. Wouldn't you just drop everything what you're doing and do what you could to, to, to give him a drink? But again, Jesus doesn't want you to go get him a glass of water. He just wants you to spend time with him. He just wants you to rest in his presence in prayer. But too often we're just so busy. We have so much going on, many projects at work, tasks and projects at home to get done. 
driving the kids around, social life, things even at the parish that could be really, really good things. But yet Jesus, he's waiting and he's longing for us. He says, I thirst. Over Christmas break, I was doing some spiritual reading in my prayer time and I, I was reading something from the great papal theologian, Canta La Mesa. And I don't have the text right here with me uh, where I'm recording, but I, I'm gonna paraphrase this, this little reflection he gave about how Jesus is just longing for us to spend time with him. And he says that, that, that Jesus it gives us these little nudges. He prompts us. We get this thought, oh, maybe I should stop and take some time for prayer right now. I'm really overwhelmed by something, really anxious about something. Maybe I should just go to the chapel and give it to him. Or maybe I should just stop right now and just say a little prayer. That Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is constantly prompting us, nudging us, inviting us to just spend time with him. But then in this reflection from the papal, papal preacher, Count de la Mesa, he says that too often, though, we get those senses that we should take some time for prayer, but then we rush off to the next task. We go to the next meeting. We pull out our phones. We respond to a message. And yet Jesus is waiting still. He's left waiting alone. Don't think of prayer as just a task, just something we have to get done. Remember that prayer is responding to Jesus' thirst, his thirst for you, for your heart, for your time. He just loves you and wants, wants that time with you. This was the great reflection of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa often thought about this image of I thirst. In fact, that was, that's why she started the Missionaries of Charity. It, was, it wasn't just to care for the poor. It was to satiate the thirst of Jesus. He's thirsting for souls. And she heard the call from Jesus to, to go start this order. But in all of the chapels of the Missionaries of Charity around the world and in all of their reflections, they're constantly going back to that line of Jesus from the cross. And in John's gospel, chapter 19, verse 28, where Jesus, right before he dies, says, I thirst. And Mother Teresa really understood that in a profound personal way, that Jesus wasn't just thirsting for souls in general, souls out in the world, but he's thirsting for each individual soul. He's thirsting for your soul. He's thirsting for my soul. And prayer is all about just responding to that thirst. Mother Teresa often encouraged her sisters to imagine, you know, when they would pray before a crucifix or pray before the tabernacle where the Eucharist is, imagine Jesus saying those words to you personally, I thirst. And she encouraged them to even put their personal name right before the two words from John 1928, I thirst. So you could say, Edward, I thirst. So just imagine Jesus saying that to you or, or Janet, I thirst. Sarah, I thirst. Catherine, I thirst. James, I thirst. Paul, I thirst. You put your name before I thirst, Mother Teresa said we should do. And, and when we realize that that's what's, what prayer is really all about, as the Catechism says, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. He's thirsting for your soul. He's longing for you to spend time with him. Will you make it a priority to fit that time in? Not to accomplish a task, not to prove that you're a good Christian and you, you checked off all the boxes, you prayed today. That's not what this is about. This is about a relationship. It's about a God that is so madly in love with you and is just longing for you to spend time with him. 
and doesn't want to be left alone when he's prompting you and reminding you. You get those little senses, I should make prayer a priority, and then you don't. He misses you in those moments. He, he misses you. He, he, he's waiting for you. And we've all made this mistake, I'm sure, where we prioritize other things and maybe we didn't get the prayer time in. Just go back to him and tell him you're sorry. Tell him, I'm sorry, Jesus, that I didn't get that time with you. I want to. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try to do it right now. Get a little time in right now or, or tomorrow morning, first thing, I'm going to get this in. Let's make a firm resolution. I'm going to give a couple practical tips here on how you can respond to Jesus's thirst for your soul in prayer. First of all, I always say schedule the time. Don't just hope that prayer is going to happen. <laughs> you know, don't just like, you know, oh, I, oh, I hope, you know, if your car is broken down and you need to get it repaired, you don't just hope you run into the mechanic, you know, while you're driving around or you're walking around town. <laughs> you know, no, you, you, you make an appointment with your mechanic. You, you, you make it a priority. Your appointment with God should be the number one appointment, the most important one every day. Pull out your calendar, pull out your phone, wherever you keep your schedule and block off time every day. And everybody's going to be a little bit different on when they do this. I'll say for me, I have to do this first thing in the morning. I have to, before I get to the office, before I start meetings and phone calls, if I if I don't get that prayer time in, two things happen. I'm just so distracted when I try to pray after my day's got started. I'm thinking about my what I got to get done, my to-do list, conversations I need to have, and I'm, I'm just distracted in prayer. Um, and then other things, the other thing that might happen is, I get busy and I, I thought, oh, I thought I'll pray later and I, I didn't get it in. So I'll just say, at least from my life, and I know many other Christians, they imitate Jesus who gets up early and prays. And I want to encourage you to maybe you just get up a little bit earlier every day or you fit it in before you do other things. I know some people that say they won't look at their phone until they get their prayer time in. They won't look at social media until they get their prayer time in. Maybe I need some kind of incentive that way, but get it in early. And then the other thing I would say is try to have a, a concrete place, a specific place that you're going to do it. So you have a specific time, but a specific place, because if you just hope, you know, you, 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 you get this time, but now all of a sudden there's like a lot of noise around or, you know, you're, you don't have a quiet place to be able to withdraw and get that time of prayer, you're less likely to pray. And then thirdly, have some kind of plan for what you do in prayer. And you could go look at many other resources and online or check out other podcasts that I've done in 2023 and 2022. You can look up different things on tips for how to pray, but have some kind of plan, whether you're going to use Lexio Divina, the gospel reading of the day, maybe you have a certain devotional book, a reflection book, like the Reflections of Magnificat. There's certainly the book that I've written that I've talked about a lot on the show, When You Pray, has 30 short reflections that you can use in your time of prayer. So my book, When You Pray, could be something you could use, but really, it doesn't matter what you use. It, the important thing is that you set a time, you set a place, and you have a game plan for what you're going to do in that time period. And then think of this lastly, last point. Remember that prayer is not about your performance. It's not about checking off a box, completing a spiritual task. It's about responding to the thirst of Jesus for your soul. Let's give him that time here in 2024. Let's give him that time as, time as we approach Lent. Let's respond to the one who loves us so much. Let's respond with love by prioritizing time in prayer with the one who so thirsts for us. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. May you be blessed in this week. God bless.